Welcome, everyone, to a new edition of the Card Subject to Change podcast. I'm your host, William Kluski, on the Game Changer Sports Network. Now, for this week in wrestling, uh, WWE released some people, and we already know that it's been around circulating for a while since it happened on Friday. But I'm just so I'm just going to quickly run over who got released and where I think they may potentially end up. So the releases were Ty Dillinger, Hideo Itami, TJP, and Arn Anderson. Now I don't really know about Arn Anderson. Like I know him as a wrestler, obviously, but like I just don't know what's next for him. He was in WWE for a long time before this, so I'll just leave him as undecided. But I could potentially see Ty Dillinger making a surprise appearance at Double or Nothing. Like, not joking at all, but realistically, because he's really good friends with Cody and all. And speaking of AEW real quick, they just recently signed Bea Priestley. So that's good for them. She's a great wrestler. But, yeah, I think Ty Dillinger, also known as Ronnie Arnell, will end up in AEW before it's too late and then we have Hideo Itami I think he's just gonna go back to Japan and TJP he's probably just going to make a return to Impact Wrestling give me one sec I'm back alright so also, over the weekend, AEW has, um, put in a, I think it was a trademark or a copy, no, I think it's just a trademark for a dead man talking, which people are speculating that The Undertaker may be starting his pod- a podcast of his own, but maybe it's just what his, uh, maybe he'll have an event at the Starcast 2 where it's just called Dead Man Talking. But we don't really know where that's going to go, but I think it'll be really weird if the Undertaker starts a podcast personally. It's just like I don't know. I can't do his voice. But just picture the Undertaker reading an ad for like Hello Fresh or freaking Quip. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it. Um, sorry for my nasally nose. It just, it's always nasally for whatever reason. All right. So we also had a number of returns happen in which I'll go in depth with them throughout as we go through the shows. But quickly, Roman Reigns is finally back. Everyone seemed to miss him a lot, including myself. Raw just had an entirely different vibe with him on the show. And it's great to see him back. We don't know what kind of capacity he's going to be up in up until now or what kind of program he's going to be in, whether or not he'll have a match at Fastlane or even WrestleMania. I could see him just being at Seth Rollins' uh, side for WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar and helping Seth um, win the title which would be cool. So we had Roman Reigns, we had Batista, Kevin Owens, and Matt Hardy, who's not so broken anymore, which I guess the time off cured him 
of his brokenness. Um, so we're just going to jump to Raw real quick. And we had Raw started off with Roman Reigns opening the show with his announcement in remission, or with his announcement, with an announcement that his cancer is in remission once again. Now, this is great news, is what I said. Great to see him back in the show. Gives a whole different vibe. Makes the show seem more important, which we I think everyone took for granted before all of this. But, yeah, I'm going to be going out of order with this show, just the way I have my notes lined up. So, um, well, actually not. I'll manage to go in order for what I have in my notes. Let's see. We have um, The Revival losing again, which they won the titles two weeks ago, and now they lost two weeks in a row to two NXT not-so-tag teams. So I don't know really. I really don't know what this means for The Revival, but hopefully they can catch a hot streak soon and don't seem like just paper champions who can't get the job done at all. And then we had um, Elias. Now, we all know Elias gets interrupted every time. By This time it was by Lacey Evans and then Dean Ambrose, who had uh, requested a no-DQ match with Drew McIntyre, and then some song requests. But the big thing I figured out is why Elias gets interrupted all the time. It's just... Everybody, or not everybody, Elias attracts the attention of everyone. Everyone always wants to walk with Elias. Sure, they might attack him and whatnot and not let him finish his songs, but that's just because they get overly excited when Elias is around. I can't even say that with a straight face. But <laughs> the Dean dropped Elias with the Dirty Deeds. And then we had Rhonda and Natalia versus Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan. And then Becky Lynch showed up in the crowd and attacked Natalia with the crutch. And altercation happened and Becky Lynch ended up getting arrested. And Rousey tried to get Stephanie or tried to get Vince out, but got Stephanie instead and wants Becky reinstated at WrestleMania. Now I see a lot of people kind of complain about Ronda Rousey's promos. Sure, I can kind of see where they're coming from. She talks really fast, and she stumbles over her words, maybe says things she shouldn't say. But I don't know. There's just something about them. It's just like they feel real to me, you know? I don't care if you agree with me or not. It's just my opinion, and who am I? But they just seem real to me, and I... More real than a lot of people's promos. But anyway, Stephanie refused to reinstate her and uh, reiterated that Charlotte was her opponent for WrestleMania, which you can't see me right now, but I'm doing two thumbs down. And then Rousey left the Raw Women's Championship a belt. That's right, belt. Just like Ronda said. At uh, Stephanie McMahon's feet. And then we had Angle defeat Mahal. Bleh. Don't need to talk about that. Um, so I don't know where this happened on the show, but I'm just going to talk about it now. 
Otis, formerly known as Otis Dozovich, is my new favorite wrestler in WWE at the moment. They had a... He... And... (laughs) And the Ascension had a backstage promo where it was the Ascension and Tucker talking about Otis, and they insulted him. And then when Tucker was um, explaining what they said to uh, Otis... He'd just repeat like one word. He'd be like, "Big <laughs> bowling ball, cheese." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh man, it's so cheese. <laughs> Can't do it as good as them, but um. And then Otis laid out the Ascension in one fell swoop. So, yeah. Otis Dosevich, my new favorite wrestler right now. It's not even for his wrestling ability. And then, uh, okay. So, had a moment of bliss with Finn Balor. And we we now know that Alexa Bliss is into wrestlers who are ripped. With her uh, flirting with EC3. And now flirting with Finn Balor and Leo Rush. I'm going to um, quote Corey Graves on this one. Is that I can't stand him right now because, come on, you don't want to know what Bliss was going to say? I just want to know what she was going to show Finn if, she sh- if he showed her his abs. But I can't disagree with Bliss. His abs are amazing. I wish I had abs like that. But... Oh, um, before I talk about what Leo Rush did, um, on Twitter after this segment, Riddick Moss in NXT, who was basically a nobody down there, uh, he I took a he had a shirtless photo of him with his abs and tweeted at Alexa Bliss, trying to get whatever she was going to give Finn. So, hey, gotta shoot your shot, right? Um. Yeah, but uh, Rush was trying to get a shot for Lashley. Ended up getting one for himself, and he was like, "Okay, let me prepare." Like, so your bliss is your matches now. I stumbled on my words so much in that sentence, but for some reason, Bliss can dictate when the matches are gonna happen. I guess there is a lot of time delegated for a moment of bliss. So she's like, "Oh, hey, if you're gonna ruin my show, take your time and have your match." That's definitely not a Bliss voice, but we get it. And there was one moment in that segment where Finn Balor was like, ooh. And it's three days later, and I still don't know how I feel about that, to be honest with you. Um, then we had Finn Balor retain his title against Leo. Lashley and Braun were supposed to have a match. But um, match never happened because, you know, the they fought before the match. Even though the same thing happened in the next match with McIntyre and Ambrose and then the match started. I think the only difference was that um, McIntyre and Ambrose started in the ring. But um, McIntyre won with a Claymore. And then after the match, it was a four-on-one beatdown with McIntyre, Elias, Lashley, and Corbin. And then Rollins and Reigns made the save. Now... Uh, after they saved Dean 
Rollins and Reigns went back to the ramp and almost to the very top of the stage and looked back on Dean, who was down in the ring, kind of like kind of regrouping a little bit. So I don't really know where this leads to next, and I don't really have an idea at all, but only time will tell, I guess. And then we had Bailey, ja- Bailey defeat Nia Jax. They have a title match at Fastlane. Yada, yada. Probably have Sasha versus Tamina next week. Wouldn't be surprised if Tamina went over. But, and then we're going to have Ric Flair's 70th birthday celebration. And as I, as well as many other people, thought with Ric Flair's relation to Charlotte Flair, that Becky Lynch would get involved but uh, Triple H announced Sean, Ricky Steamboat, Kurt Angle, and Sting. And then they introduced Ric Flair. And then they're clapping, waiting for him to come out like, yeah, Flair, woo. It's your birthday. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while the time's here. And then he never showed up. And what I loved about his quote-unquote beatdown on Ric Flair, or Batista's quote-unquote beatdown, is you didn't actually see it, but that's not the part. It's just that he dragged a cameraman to record him doing it, which was fantastic. And, man, Batista needed to work on his cardio. He dragged Ric Flair out of his locker room and dragged the cameraman, and he was out of breath. Ah, Jesus. And, hey, honey, do I have your attention now? That sounds really familiar with CM Punk. That's all I got to say about that. Also, back at SmackDown 1000, SmackDown, blue brand. Batista wore red sunglasses. Raw, red brand. Batista wore blue sunglasses. I know why. I just think that's hilarious. Plus, maybe a reference to blue Tista. I don't know. But definitely looking like we're going to have um, Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania. And I hope this isn't a marathon type of match. I really want it to just be like 10, 15 minutes tops, including entrances. Just It'll be more of a special attraction because why do they need to go for like 25 minutes not including entrances? So you kind of know what I mean here, but we'll see where it goes. So that was it for Raw, and let's move on to SmackDown Live, in which we went off to a very hot start with the contract signing for Fastlane between Daniel Bryan and the New Day's Kofi Kingston. Now, Daniel Bryan looking cocky as ever in the ring, just sitting in his leather chair, as Stephanie McMahon pointed out to him, which I thought was hilarious. Surprised he didn't just have this like wooden still chair that's chopped down from a tree by Rowan, where they have a video of it, which would have been hilarious. Video of them making the chair and everything. And then um, they recapped Kofi's career before welcoming him to the ring, which, man, Kofi is fantastic. And then, so Daniel Bryan signed. And then as Kofi was like two inches away from putting pen to paper, you hear Vince's theme song 
to which he announces that Kofi Kingston has been replaced. Sound familiar from a couple weeks ago with Becky Lynch? Exactly. Now, he says Kofi Kingston's not as big a box office, and he welcomes Kevin Owens. Sorry, had to do that. I like his theme song a lot. Um, but then Owens just walks to the ring. Not a good guy. Not a bad guy. Just walks in, signs the contract real quick. Well, as quickly, as casually as possible. And just kind of looks at Daniel Bryan with Xavier Woods and Biggie freaking out that Kofi has um, been removed from the title match and that um, and Kofi just kind of, he was all hyped up coming out, running around the ring, giving high fives to everybody. And now he just, I don't know, he's, it's like he got a giant wave of depression, just like hit him on the top of the head all at once. But we'll lead to something later in the night with this. And I, I quickly, real quick, <laughs> quickly, real quick. Um, I think this is just going to lead to bigger and better things for Kofi Kingston. I think we're going to have Daniel Bryan versus Kofi at Mania, in which Kofi Kingston could win the WWE Championship on the grandest stage of them all for the first ever African Amer- or full African American champion. People will say The Rock, but he doesn't. He wants to identify as like biracial, which so that doesn't fully that doesn't count as fully African American champion. But that's good. It's possible. We'll see where it goes from here. And then we had the Bar, which they weren't scheduled for a tag team match. It was supposed to be Cesaro versus Johnny Gargano. But as I always say on the show, the card is always subject to change. And this, this was a prime example of the car being subject to change. We had the bar versus the Hardy Boys. And with Matt Hardy returning out of nowhere on SmackDown, which I guess what Kevin Owens said is kind of true when you get injured. It's like, oh, you don't belong to a brand anymore because Matt Hardy was on Raw before he was injured. And there's reports saying that WWE picked up the option on the Hardy Boys contract for another year so their contract would have expired in March if they hadn't picked it up because Matt Hardy had like a countdown on his Twitter to his uh, contract expiring Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick Matt Hardy Uh, he's still broken on his Twitter so that's good and he did tweet a picture of the SmackDown Tag Team titles, I think. Yep, there it is. And with the uh, caption, Procure. And uh, where is it? Uh, sorry for the dead air. I'm just trying to find something. Yeah. So on February 25th, which was three days ago, he... um quote tweeted a tweet that said and by watching this you can see that broken Matt is ready to take any opportunity and seize it and he quote tweeted it with just the number 7 did he have an 8 on the 24th 
I don't know. But on February 22nd, I want to say. Oh, February 23rd, it was 9. So February 22nd would be 10. Yeah, on 10. On February 22nd, he tweeted 10. On the 23rd, he tweeted 9. So then on the 21st, which would be the day that this podcast came out last week. Did it not? Uh, I can't find it. Um, yeah, I, c- I can't find that specific one. But it was 11 days on the 21st when this podcast came out last week. Um, all right, moving on. We have an United States Open Challenge, R-Truth, the champion, channeled his inner childhood heroes, John Cena's method of handling things, even though R-Truth is older than John Cena. Oh, my God. Uh, Actually, I want to find out the age difference real quick. So so R-Truth was a fan of John Cena ever since he was a little tyke of a kid. So R-Truth was born in 1972. He is 47. And then John Cena is, give me a birthday, 1997, birthday in April. He's 41, turning 42. So R-Truth is six, five, six years older, five to six years older than John Cena. But yet, my childhood hero, John Cena, and that I want to follow in his footsteps. I want to make John Cena proud. And then Andrade answers the challenge. But then Ray answers the challenge. Attacks Andrade, gets in the ring first. So in situations like this, R-Truth would ask himself, what would John Cena do? Do I sound like I'm talking in an accent? I'm sorry if I was. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Okay. Um, and then Carmel is basically like, John Cena would take both of these guys on at the same time. And Archer's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, but he's like, you know what? John Cena, I'm going to make you proud. Let's do this. So then we had um, R-Truth versus Andrade versus Rey Mysterio. And... R-Truth retained his title, which, I mean, doesn't shock me, but kind of shocks me at the same time. It kind of continues the feud between Andrade and Rey Mysterio a bit. And hopefully, hopefully, they can have a match at WrestleMania against each other. Um, Then we had a Charlotte promo talking about what happened on Raw. And... She announced that she's going to be on the red brand next week to claim the Raw Women's Championship since Ronda Rousey quote-unquote relinquished it. Even though she never said she was, she just laid it down. But you know what? I would not complain if Charlotte became the women's, the Raw Women's Champion right now because – where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So put Becky versus Ronda at WrestleMania. 
without the title. I don't think that match needs a title. Have Charlotte face somebody on Raw. Have, right. have um, Becky versus Ronda one-on-one. Have Charlotte versus... Let's see. who. Who's a worthy contender on Raw? Charlotte versus... Screw it. Alexa Bliss. She's my favorite. Just going to pick her. Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss one-on-one for the Raw Women's Championship. And then have Asuka versus... Who's on... You know what? I would love to see Asuka versus Sonya Deville at WrestleMania. I don't care if people don't think it's a quote-unquote high-caliber match. I think Sonya Deville is freaking fantastic. And her and Asuka, I think, can have magic in the ring. Give them like 10, 15 minutes in the ring, not including entrances, and they're going to kill it. Well, mark my words, even though it, even if it doesn't happen, mark my words that it will one day. Maybe not at Mania, but Asuka and Sonya Deville... Give them 10, 15 minutes on a big stage, and they're going to absolutely kill it. But um, so after that, we had Ricochet and Alistair Black teaming again, defeating Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. And I'm still hella confused by this Rusev and Shinsuke team. And Lana calling um, Ricochet Ordinary. It's like, have you not been watching the past week and a half of TV? Like, at all? So that confused me. And then we had a moment where it looks like we're leading into an AJ Styles versus Randy Orton match. Maybe at WrestleMania. I'm cool with that. And then we had Lacey Evans walk down to the ring again. I mean, I don't mind seeing her. It gets her exposure. She's just not really doing anything of importance and then um yeah kevin owens wanted to keep team with kofi kingston that night and they did they fought rowan and daniel bryan and owens pinned bryan after hitting a stana now i don't know if that's gonna be owens's finisher moving forward because i love the pop-up powerbomb but yeah, there didn't seem to be too much tension. Kofi still looked kind of down at Kevin Owens. Not like looking down like in a mean way. Like, hey, I'm looking down at you. More like, oh, man, why'd you take my title shot? But Owens pinned Brian. Now next week, I don't really know where the New Day can go with this because now Owens is a worthy competitor for the title because he has a pinfall victory over the WWE champion. So they can't really play that card in Kofi's favor next week. So we'll go from there. And that's it for SmackDown Live. Now, NXT this week was a pretty big show, in my opinion. We started off with Gargano coming out saying how... He still feels like Johnny Champion, but the crowd was chanting Johnny Failure. He mentioned it before, so I think that's what influenced it, but he said he likes Johnny Champion better. But then Champa comes out saying how at TakeOver Phoenix, or at TakeOver New York, we can have the same ending like we did at TakeOver Phoenix. Um, we do great things on the TakeOver stage. Um... 
We need each other. So it seems like DIY is reformed and now they're in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic as a tag team for the first time. Or And he was like, on Raw we win, on SmackDown we win, on NXT they win. And then, so after that, they cut to the backstage where Ciampa and Gargano are walking together and Candice was not impressed with Gargano's decisions to team with Ciampa again. But what are you going to do? DIY is forever in my heart. So we'll see where it goes from there. And then we had um, Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah take on Tanara Conti and Zaylee. And with the way they're kind of, the way I feel they're building a Bourne and Aaliyah, they could potentially be a force to be reckoned with, maybe. Maybe their future NXT Women's Tag Team Champs. Maybe they'll be the team that faces Sasha and Bailey at um, NXT TakeOver New York, even if they are wrestling there or aren't wrestling. I don't know. But uh, I think that's a team that they could be reckoned with. We got the Vision, and she, uh, her nickname's not the Dream. That's Velvet Dream, but Aaliyah is my dream. <laughs> Sorry, Ari, but <laughs> Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne. I think they're going to do great things in this women's tag team division. And then we had an interview with Velveteen Dream, getting interrupted by Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era. And I think we could potentially have Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream in the future for the North American Championship. Or maybe Dream will just kind of like backstab Cole and give it to, like, Roderick Strong or something. Heck, maybe this is the way the Undisputed Era gets all the gold. Roderick Strong wins the NXT North American Championship from Velveteen Dream. Then Adam Cole goes on wins the NXT Championship, and the Undisputed Era members Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish win the Tag Team, or the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, get a title shot at TakeOver New York. Boom, Tag Team Champs, all four members of the Undisputed Era, gold as promised. Book it. No, but... Even if they did, that'd be pretty cool, but I don't fully see that happening because I'm going to give my first-round predictions to um, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, and it's not looking good for the Undisputed Era, I'm going to say. And then this was a very um, backstage-heavy NXT TakeOver. Not TakeOver, just an NXT show. There was like three, four backstage segments in like the first like 20 minutes. But um, Bianca Belair and Io Shirai were kind of like yelling at each other backstage. Don't see eye to eye. But in two weeks, they're going to have a match, and the winner faces Shayna Baszler at NXT TakeOver New York. So I think, or not think, I hope it's Io Shirai since we already saw um, Belair and Baszler. But I wouldn't be against Belair and Baszler again if Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane are going to be a tag team in the division. You know if you feel a little bit. But um, after that, we had a uh, Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic, in which fantastic match. Loved the ending because you never see it nowadays. There was a double countout off just a. Moonsault to the floor by Dijakovic. And then after the 10 count, they both, like, they showed the highlights of the match. 
they're both in the ring. They're trying to be separate. They weren't like fighting, like fist fighting at all, but they're just kind of like trying to get at each other still. Like the match was still going on, and there was three refs trying to break it up. And Dijakovic's like, not finished. See you later. So, I hope they have another match down the line. And then they um, announced the other four entries into the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, which are DIY, Ricochet, and Aleister Black, Orny, Loki, Orny Lorkin and Danny Birch, and Mustache and Mountain. Man, this Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic is stacked. Stacked, I tell you. It's going to be so hard for me to pick my first round, but I have an idea of where I'm going with it. Um. Then we had a surprise where Sasha Banks and Bailey came out and with their women's tag team titles and basically just called out NXT and SmackDown that they better be ready. It's like, yo, we're coming to your shows next. And yet they still haven't been on SmackDown with the titles. That's all I got to say. I think they're scared of the Iconics. That's all. <laughs> they're scared. I tell you, they're scared. And then we had uh, Shayna Baszler beats Mia Yim. And that was the main event of the show. That's all I really have to say about it. There wasn't too much noteworthy. Just Shayna Baszler won. But um, real quick before I give my predictions and why I think the first round will go the way I think it will for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I just want to give mad props to the freaking CFOs who make WWE's theme songs. They're so good. Because Keith Lee, this week, debuted a new theme song. And, man, that's fire. It's fire. But also on the show, Vanessa Bourne's theme song was great. Tanara Conti's Love Her theme song. And Mia Yim's theme song, too. Ah, HBIC, I tell you. Uh, man. CFO, you can do no wrong. You're approved in my head, in my brain, because I know it's good. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So now... I guess the only thing that I have left is to give my first round predictions to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So I'm going to start from the bottom up. We have Mustache Mountain versus the Street Profits. Now, I'm going to have to go with the Street Profits only because I think Mustache Mountain has had their time in regular NXT and they've been... I haven't really been keeping up with NXT UK, but they lost in the inaugural NXT UK Tag Team Championship match. So I don't know if they have or not tried to get the retribution and try to get the titles, but I think that's what's on the agenda or past now for Mustache Mountain. But either way, I think I'm going to have to go with Street Profits just because they've showed a lot of fire recently. And yeah. Then we had Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch versus the Forgotten Sons. And then, I don't know for this one. This one's, I can picture scenarios where each one, but I don't know. With um, Jackson Riker on the outside, I think I'm going to give it to the Forgotten Sons. 
they're just going to get preoccupied for a tenth of a second too long. It's just going to be the end of it. Then we have Ricochet and Alistair Black versus Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. And as much as I want Eichner and Bartel to win, because I just think they're really impressive, I'm just going to have to go with Ricochet and Alistair Black just because they're teaming on the main roster as well. And you want to want them losing to NXT tag teams when they're beating your Raw tag team champions on Monday nights, you know. And then this is the one that's just kind of, where do we go? We have DIY, Tommaso Ciampa, and Johnny Gargano reuniting officially for the first time versus the Undisputed Era, the defending Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic champions. Now, this is... um. It's not tricky per se because even though the talent in the ring is massive for this match on oh, the members of Undisputed are, are um, O'Reilly and Fish, but um, I just don't see DIY losing in their first official um, match together back as DIY. And... Um, just like the same scenario for Ricochet and Black. They beat your Raw Tag Team Champions. They beat Sheamus and Cesaro on Raw and SmackDown. So I don't think they're going to lose to an NXT tag team in the same way as Ricochet and Black. So just a quick rundown again. I have DIY beating Undisputed Era. I have Ricochet and Black defeating Eichner and Bartel. I have the Forgotten Sons beating Lorcan and Birch. And I have Street Profits beating Mustache Mountain. <coughs> Alright. So that that's all I have for today. So this concludes the Card Subject to Change podcast. And I really hope you enjoyed. It was, it was a great week in wrestling. I've got to tell you that. But um, if you don't mind, please leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. It would really mean a lot to me. Get this show out there more. And follow me on Instagram and Twitter at William Kliske, K-L-I-S-K-E-Y, as well as the show at CSTC Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Lucky to have both of those names. Uh, I just realized something. I missed my joke that I had for Kofi. He was booted out of his championship match. <laughs> Get it? Booted, booted. Yeah, sorry. I just realized I missed that. Um, Emma, did I forget to say? I think I forgot to say it. But um, anyways, that's the show. And just remember, oh, and before I forget. Check out uh, Game Changer Sports Network at GameChangerSportsNetwork.com and on Facebook as well. And just remember, the card is always subject to change.